got this morning in the wee hours of this morning, like way crazy too early, like at 1.30 this morning, a pastor friend of mine sent this. It says, good morning and welcome to flight 2022. We are prepared to take off into the new year. Please make sure your positive attitude and gratitude are secured and locked in the upright position. All self-destructive devices, pity, anger, selfishness, pride, and resentment should be turned off at this time. All negativity, hurt, and discouragement should be put away. Should you lose your positive attitude under pressure during this flight, reach up and pull down a prayer. Prayers will automatically be activated by faith. Once your faith is activated, you can assist other passengers who are of little faith. There will be no baggage allowed on this flight. God, our captain, has cleared us for takeoff, destination, greatness. What a great way to start the year. We're in a, we're, we're beginning a series today called Faith and Expectancy. Over the last 30 days or so, as we were winding up this year and we were kind of praying into what God would have for us next year, um, what I started noticing was that the Lord had just kind of spoken some little things to me here and there and shown me some things that I just thought were kind of random. But as the year winded down and we kind of culminated Tuesday night, all of our staff got together and we just had a night of worship and prayer and prophecy um, together as a staff. And it was kind of during that night where the Lord showed me that these things that look like random pieces that he had spoken to me over the last 30 days or so actually turned out to be puzzle pieces that when you put them together, they form a nice clear pattern. Package. And so we've kind of used that as our heading to where we're heading into 2022. So excited about that. So in this message, I'll be kind of sharing some of those things that the Lord has spoken to me and I'll hopefully put them together in that package where you can see, and it'll help give us direction for where we're heading. But our, our series uh, is called Faith and Expectancy. It's based on something that I felt the Lord say to me is that this year for 2022 at Victory Worship Center that he has called us to build a culture of faith and expectancy. And so this is where we're heading. Our staff, we've already, we're strategizing around this idea, been praying toward this idea. And so that we believe this year is gonna be the year of faith and expectancy at Victory Worship Center. So I felt led to start the year off with a series. So over the next several weeks, we'll kind of unpack what this means. For this morning's purposes, we're gonna be in the book of Luke, the sixth chapter. So if you'll flip to Luke the sixth chapter, and we'll get to that reading here in just a minute. But uh, let me just kind of set it up for you. And then how this ties into the series of faith and expectancy. Luke chapter six, what we find toward the end of, end of that chapter, um, in Luke six, you could also look in, in the book of Matthew. This account is also written about in the book of Matthew. And Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. And it kind of goes into the details of, of what Jesus spoke. In Luke chapter six, it's a little more concise. But let me, let me just kind of give the setting for you what's happening here. Um, at this time, Jesus is at the very beginning of his ministry. And the Bible says, if you look in Matthew, the fifth chapter, that um, Jesus noticed that there was a big multitude around him. And so he went up to the mountain and he called his disciples to him, which is kind of interesting to me because it sounded like 
Uh, it reads this way that like a bunch of people were there and Jesus was ignoring the bunch of people and he was talking to his disciples who were right in front of him. It's like if I were to call 12 people right here in front of me and I'm teaching them, but I know that you can hear. I don't know, that's just kind of how I picture this setting. And because Jesus is on the mountain, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Well, All right, so that's what Sermon on the Mount means. And in <laughs> the Greek, that's what it means. So Jesus um, begins this message. And if you read again in Matthew, like five, six, and seven, you'll, you'll see the details that he goes into because he covers this broad spectrum of subjects. I mean, he's preaching and he'll just, he'll just make a reference about prayer, but he doesn't go into great detail. It's like, that's, it's almost like he's saying, Hey, that's a sermon for a later, for a later date. But these are just the kind of topics my ministry is going to cover. So he would touch on this and he would touch on that. And he would, he, he, he just like, he touched on a lot of different subjects. And in my mind, what he was doing was he was kind of given the template for like, Hey guys, over the next three years, I'm going to be doing a lot of ministry and kind of here's, here's what my ministry is going to cover. Y'all tracking with me on that? That's kind of what it looked like to me. He didn't go into any great detail on any subject. He just kind of said, look, these are, these are the things we're going to be touching. And a lot of the, the subjects that he brought up were based on the human experience. Like as a human, this is, these, are, these are things that affect you. So in one hand, he was talking about the human experience, what you and I all deal with. But he, he would reference some human things, but then he would scatter in things like, but this is how the kingdom operates. In other words, he's saying, look, you know, as a human, this is how we see and think and feel, but here's how the kingdom operates. He would throw in these things like, well, the kingdom of God is like... And he would give these parables and he would do these things, right? And so he's just, to me, he's just giving this template about where his ministry is heading during the Sermon on the Mount. We could probably say amen. You probably just learned something. We could say amen and I'll go to lunch right now, but we're not. <clears throat> so he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, but how he ends it is really interesting to me. <clears throat> and this is where we're gonna pick up in Luke chapter six, he's preached his whole sermon. He's done all his thing, but he wraps it up in this way. Join me in Luke chapter six, beginning in verse 46. It says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Ouch. We could drop, we could drop the mic there and go home too, right? But everybody say with me, we're not. Verse 47, he says, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. Everybody got that imagery? When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Would you pray with me? Lord, give us revelation as we look into your word. 
Teach us, Lord. Teach us. It's a new year, Lord. Teach us new things. I give you my attention, Lord, this year like never before. Teach me. Give us revelation in Jesus' name. So he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount in this way. And, and kind of here's, here's what I think he's saying. He's like, I'm going to teach on a lot of things. I mean, you're going to hear me say a lot of things. I'm going to give a lot of instructions. And, uh, and there's going to be a point where actually I'm really famous. I'm going to make a big splash and people are going to come flood to me. There's going to be a time, he didn't say this, but this is Jody. There's going to be a time where I'm going to feed like 5,000 of you with just a little bit of food. And you're going to see me heal blind eyes. And that's going to be really interesting to you. And you're going to see me raise some dead people. I'm like, I'm going to do some things that are going to blow your hair back. And the crowds are going to come. There's going to be a lot of people around me. There's going to be a, I'm going to be a big deal. Now, again, we know Jesus wasn't prideful. I'm not saying that. But can't you see how he, he's, he's just setting it up like, I'm going to be a big deal. So he's very well aware that there's going to be a lot of people around him. But especially if you read this account, this same account in Matthew chapter 7, what you'll find is he said, even though there's, there's a bunch of people around me, there's going to there's gonna be some of you who call me Lord, Lord, who aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. He says, even though there's going to gonna be, be a lot of buzz around me, a lot of people around me, there are going to be people who miss it. And he said, you know, once you miss it, you're going to turn to me. This is in Matthew 7. You're going to turn to me and say, well, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? To use, to use a current example, didn't I serve on the security team in your name? And didn't I work in children's church in your name? And didn't I go to the old folks home and play bingo with them in your name? Right? He said, but even though you call me Lord, Lord, there's going to be some of you who miss it. And the reason is, is that I didn't know you. And by implication, it's, and you didn't know me. I want to tell you, church, any, any pastor, and I was really trying to choose my words carefully when I had this thought, but I, but I think I'm going to go ahead and use this word. A pastor's greatest fear, if that's an appropriate word to use in church for pastors, because we know we ought to not walk in fear. But as a pastor, any pastor who's worth their salt, the greatest fear that we should have is that we have a room full of people who prophesy and work in the coffee shop and do all the things, but don't know God. It would be utterly and totally futile and useless for that to be the case for a church. And I want to tell you, church, we at this staff at this church, we are so committed. We are fully persuaded, fully committed to our assignment to make disciples, not to entertain people and not to just do the things. But I really want to be part of a church family who knows and loves the Lord. And so Jesus is saying, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of people around me, a lot of people listening to me, but it's the ones who will actually take what I say, listen to it, and apply it to their life that will find themselves with a foundation on which they can build. He referred to two different people, two different builders in our text. He said this one guy, he dug deep. He dug deep. It's interesting to me because if you know anything about building, you know, when something is built, it, you look for it to go up. Like you walk by one day and there's nothing there. Then the next day you come down and there's walls standing up. There's a roof up. So in building, usually we like to see things go up. But the man here he was talking about, before he went up, he went down. He said he dig deep. Digging down to the rock in order to get the foundation underneath them so that they could then have a life built on a solid foundation. Because, listen, the human experience, the storm's coming for us all. When we live on this earth, there will be storms. Whether we make it through the storm or not, according to this passage, is, is the condition of our foundation. So before this builder went up, he went down, dig down to make sure that he had a solid foundation underneath him. But the one who simply hears, I'm just going to call them the regular just church attender. We just kind of do the church thing and we're part of the crowd. We were there when it happened. But we didn't actually hear the words of Jesus and apply them to our life. And, and, and we start building and maybe even our life starts progressing and things go up and, and, and we look good to the neighbors. We, we look good to society around us. But when the storm comes, there's a great ruin. And church, I just want to say to you with all honesty, my heart's desire is that we would be a people who go down first. We would dig down and get a foundation under us that we could build under. And as I was reading this, it's, it's particularly interesting to me because a lot of you don't know this, but I actually have a, a, a pretty good uh, background in construction. Um, years and years ago, Lori and I were flipping houses like before anybody ever heard of Chip and Jan Joanna Gaines, we were there. We were doing it. We were doing it here. We flipped several houses. We built our own houses, right? And so I personally have put hammer to nail and built things. I've, I've got some, some experience there. Then later on, professionally, um, when we were in Austin, Texas, I went to work for a commercial construction company. I was doing project management for it. So I've done that. I've done superintendent work. Um, I've done a lot in the area of, of construction. The last construction job I have was uh, working with my brother-in-law. A little shout out to Angelico Construction, right? Uh, so I, I worked with, with Trey and Jen. And um, my job there, especially toward the end, you know, Angelico builds mainly uh, pre-engineered metal buildings, right? So buildings like this. This, is, this was kind of Angelico's specialty. And back then, the company was a little smaller. We even did a few residential things, like building shops in the back of people's yards and stuff. My part of it was I was the foundation guy. 
so when the job started, I was there working with the dirt people, with the, with the people who were doing site preparation, getting, getting the, the ground uh, in shape, and then working with the concrete crews who were doing the forming and all of that stuff. And uh, I just want to tell you this. I'm, I'm going to use another word. I'm going to use it carefully. There's just nothing sexy about a foundation. I mean, nobody ever drove by a job site and went, look at that concrete slab. I mean, there's no decorations, there's no color, there's no, none of that stuff is there, right? But how many of you know, if I messed my job up, nothing else mattered after that. There was a lot of work and, and, and there was weeks and even months that would go by where a lot is happening. I mean, a lot is happening, but if you just drove by on the road, you wouldn't see it. But there was guys out there working. And you know, when you're, when you're putting a foundation in, usually, if you're smart, you have a blueprint. You start with a blueprint. And in the developing of that blueprint, an engineer was involved. And the engineer knows what's being built, knows what purpose it's going to fill, and thirdly, knows what the elements around that area, what elements could affect it and how they could affect it. In other words, you live in Southwest Louisiana. Obviously, we've known for the last couple of years that hurricanes may pop up every once in a while. So the, the engineer knew that there needed to be a certain wind rating. Am I boring you? Certain wind rating built into that into that foundation to withstand the storms that may come in that area. And so that was factored in as he was drawing the blueprint for the foundation. And it was my job then to take that and make sure that the foundation was built according to those specifications. I want to say to you, God's got a blueprint for your life. God knows why he created you, what he wants to build in your life and how he wants to use you, what purpose you have in the kingdom of God. God's got a blueprint for you. And he also knows what storms are coming. He knows, he knows what could possibly happen or what's gonna happen in your life. But you know, sometimes we get so interested in going up and we get in a hurry to go up and put the, hang the pictures on the wall and, and make it all look good from the outside. But if we don't get the foundation right, church, we won't withstand the storm. And just as a church, I tell you, the last thing I would want is a group of people here who just look good. And we, we got it, it looks like we got it all together and all the decorations are in place and, and, and we look you know, just as good as everything else around us, but there's no foundation underneath us. And so when we're talking about faith and expectancy, I want to make sure that the first thing we do is we get our foundation right. So I want to say to you, some of you this year, instead of grabbing a hammer, you need to grab a shovel. And you need to let the Lord do some digging in you. Maybe there's some footings that need to be dug. I don't know if you know what a footing is, but if you're, if you're a reporter slab, you know what a footing is. And there's steel that needs to be tied in there and reinforcements and different things. Hey, don't despise those days, church. That's what's going to sustain you during the storm, right? It's those times, those, those early mornings when I'm in my word 
and there's nobody else around and there's nobody applauding me and there's nothing happening, but I'm in the secret place and I'm on my face before the Lord and I'm putting his word in me and I'm doing those things. Hey, that's the rebar that's going to, that's going to hold it all together when the storm comes. Come on, Mr. Willie Wynn knows what I'm talking about. Miss Vicky knows what I'm talking about. Talking about a solid foundation. So I want to encourage you this year, church, let's get our foundations right. Let's get our foundation right. We'll be patient with you, right? So the name of our series though is Faith and Expectancy. And so I kind of want to unpack what I mean by those two things and then I'll tie the title and, and my little talk here on foundations together as we move along. So as I heard this word from the Lord that we're to build a culture this year of faith and expectancy, one of our staff members said to me, what do you mean by expectancy? And you know, if somebody ever asks you a question that you think is so obvious that it makes you, when you go to answer it, you got to stop. Well, that was one of those questions. Like, what do you mean by expectancy? And I'm like, duh. But it really made me stop and think and say, okay, well, what is expectancy then? What, 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 what do I feel like the Lord's saying to us in the way of expectancy? Obviously, expectancy is, is what you expect to see in your life, what, it, what you expect to be coming down the pipe. And immediately as, as he was asking me this question about what do we mean by expectancy, my heart actually went here really, really quickly. And I want to say that there are some of you in here, how many of you know that our expectancy is shaped by our history? Our history can shape our expectancy. And I'm really reminded of that, that glorious TV show called Hee Haw back in the day. And the song was, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Some of you have grown up in the, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all home, right? And so your expectancy based on that, your expectancy is, I expect trouble. I expect to be let down. I expect to be frustrated. I, ex I expect to be, um, to, to be left unfulfilled. Am I speaking to anybody in the room? Some of us, that's, that's our expectancy. And so I want you to know if that's you, I'm, I believe God's going to do something different in your life this year and that we're going to begin to expect different things, right? So as I was answering that question, my heart immediately went there that I don't want anywhere in our church family there to be an expectancy of just blah, are just negative, just, listen, I'm, I'm just ready. It's time to kick that to the curb, right? So, so we're going to speak to that. But I was, I was thinking, okay, well then, then what, according to the word of God, if I'm living with expectancy, what should I be expecting? What should I expect out of my life if I'm biblically living with expectancy? Let me just say it this way. I believe that as a, as, as a believer, as a son and daughter of God, that we ought to expect good things. I just think that's the case. That we ought to expect good things. And the other, the other night when we were with the staff and, and we were all praying and, you know, we kind of spent some time there praying for an hour or two and just, and, um, 
And one of my staff members came to me afterwards and and said, you know, something interesting about the prayers we prayed, because when we were praying, often we use the word more, like praying, praying for the new year, we use the word more, like praying for more of this and more of that. And the question came up like, is that okay? And and I didn't give an immediate answer, but I really went away thinking about that because I do understand that we as Americans can get spoiled rotten. I asked this in our huddle today. How many of you, a cold front blew through here last night. How many of you slept in a bed where you were dry and warm last night? Come on, can we just thank the Lord for a dry, warm bed? You may not have a California king, but you got a bed, right? And we ought to be grateful for that. So I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from a heart of, of gratitude and, and contentment. And so the question was, you know, like, like, is it okay to believe for more? And it really had me questioning. And so, you know, throughout the weekend, as I was working around my house, I just kept, that kept going over in my mind. And I was just praying about it and meditating on it. And because I don't, I don't want to just do the American thing. Like, God, is it okay to pray and ask for more? And I felt the Lord say this to me. You know, when God created this planet, how many of you know this planet was his idea? Like, we didn't come up with this. This was his idea. And he created an, an environment that he was going to put man in. So he was going to create Adam and Eve, and he created an environment for them. Guess what? That was an environment of more. There was nothing missing, nothing lacking in that environment. And then he gave them an assignment to fulfill in that environment. And their assignment was take dominion. I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. And I'm saying, you know, God created us with a desire for more. Now, I I am well aware that that can get off track. Can I hear a big amen? We can get off track with the more message. And I, I don't want to get anywhere close to that edge. Do you trust your pastor? But I, I want to tell you that God put a desire for more, a capacity In fact, I think we had to have the desire for more if we were going to fulfill the assignment to produce more. I'm saying all this to say that in setting your expectancy, it's okay to believe for more. In fact, my prayer for this church is that this year we would have more people saved than we had last year. There'd be more baptisms. There'd be more people in bondage set free. There would be praying for more. Hey, I'm even praying for more people in the seats. Because if they get here, they can hear the gospel. I believe, first of all, our desire for more ought to be pointed to his kingdom. It starts there. We were the other night when we were together as a staff, first thing we did was we worshiped. And first of all, we were in this great room. Like the acoustics in this room were incredible. And so, I mean, we sounded really good. But I just love the intensity of our staff worshiping because we got a staff full of worshipers. 
And it's like the room was just shaken with worship and I loved it. And as soon as we, well, actually while we were worshiping, it hit me that I am not satisfied with the level of worship in this church. I want more worship in this church, more of a heart of worship and adoration and praise and passion in our praise. I want more, right? So I'm believing for more this year. I don't personally, you know, we, we first of all believe for more for his kingdom, but also, hey, show me a place in scripture where when somebody pleased God, he didn't bless them. When they, were, when they were pleasing to God, he gave them more. And so I just want to say to you, some of you need some more in your life and it's okay. Again, I'm not talking about being materialistic. I'm not talking about setting our affections on earthly things where moth and rust doth corrupt, right? I mean, first of all, our treasures go to heaven so that we're going to keep that right. But I know Laurie and I this year are, um, are, are planning on beginning to build our house. And again, I slept in a nice, nice dry room last night, but I just need a bigger room. And, and we have grandkids now and Lori needs a bigger living room to entertain those grandchildren, right? And so again, if you know me and if you knew where I lived and the current conditions I live in, you'd, you'd be okay with me saying this. It's not like I'm moving from a, you know, 10,000 square foot mansion to a 15,000 square foot mansion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying we're believing for some things and, and we need God to do some miracles for us in the way of more because we believe for, we're believing for a house miracle. Somebody breathe in the room, tell me you're okay. <clears throat> so what I'm saying to you is it's okay to want more for his kingdom and even more for your personal life. It's okay to believe for those things. So where faith and expectancy is concerned, I wanna say to you that I hope that, that your desire for 2022 is for more joy and peace and harmony in your home this year. And, and for more love and, and passion between you and your spouse this year. Whatever it is, I hope, I hope you're expecting good things, okay? So in the faith and expectancy category, talking about expectancy, it's okay to believe for some good things. And, and if all you've ever known was bad luck, then kick it to the curb. But luck has no place in my life. I walk under the blessing of the Lord. It has nothing to do with luck, right? So, so expectancy. Now let's deal with faith though. Because here's where I believe people get it wrong. Is that, and even we pastors or people who stand up here and speak the word can get it wrong, is we sit up here and we talk about expectancy and we, we preach messages and things that would get you excited, you as the hearer excited about, oh, I want more. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. He, he said I can have a bigger house. Oh, yeah. I'm into that. You know, and we get all fired up about expectancy. But if we're not careful, if all we focus on is expectancy, we'll get it wrong. Because expectancy is about building up. But faith is about the foundation that supports the up. So our series is called Faith and Expectancy. First of all, we have to get faith right. Because faith is the foundation that our life is built on. So if we'll build a foundation of faith, then God, under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can build up and we can have a life that's fulfilling, that's purposeful, that's fruitful, that's meaningful, 
that's enjoyable, right? If we get it right. But faith is the foundational part. Faith is the shovel work. Getting that thing laid down right so that we understand we have a knowledge of who God is. So you may say to me, all right, Jody, well, then how do I do that, this, this faith thing? Do I just muster up some faith in or do I go to the hardware store and buy some faith, a truckload of faith delivered to my house? How do I do this? No, the Bible gives us clear instructions and I need to move quickly because I'm taking a long time. God gives us clear instructions and I wanna show you a very important verse And this is going to be a foundational verse in this series and in your life. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans, the 10th chapter, and get your pen out because this is a good one to underline in your Bible. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in other words, if I'm going to have a foundation of faith in my life, the only way I'm going to build it is through the hearing of the word. The word is that thing that puts the foundation on my life, under my life, so that, so that something can be built. Are you tracking with me? Remember, we refer often to Hebrews 4.12. It says, the word of God is living and active. So the word of God is is active. Well, what activities does the word accomplish then? Well, there's a whole list of them, but one of the things that the word of God accomplishes is it builds our faith. And so if you want faith built in your life, you've got to get in the word. You cannot have a firm foundation without faith and you can't have faith without the word. And I'm tired of seeing Christians' lives crumble during storms because they didn't have a foundation of faith underneath them. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I, um, you know, when I, when I think of faith and you, you heard us even this morning singing about miracles and, and one of the things that's just really prevalent in my mind along, along that miraculous supernatural walking and faith thing is, is the issue of healing. How many of you in this place believe that God is, a, is the healer? He is. I, I grew up knowing that. I grew up hearing that. I grew up believing that. But how many of you have prayed for healing and have not seen it? Would you be honest with me? If you've prayed for somebody and seen them not healed. So we all believe in it, but we've all experienced the opposite. Y'all with me? Yeah. I think I have your attention now. You're like, where's he going with this? You know, I mean, I mean I've seen people that I love dearly. I mean, some of our close family walk through, walk through cancer. And, you know, we prayed for the miraculous and the miraculous didn't happen. Now they're all healed and walking here with us through, through medical science. And we appreciate all that. But it wasn't what we were praying for. Laurie and I were part of a ministry in Belize. We, we did a year's worth of work on the mission field in Belize. We were down there building an orphanage and, um, and we had two, uh, two brothers um, 
came in, the first two orphans that came into the orphanage while we were there. One of them was a, was a little bitty baby. And within a few weeks of us taking this baby, this infant into the orphanage, the, uh, the baby one afternoon just died of SIDS. And you talk about, you, you go to be a missionary and to build an orphanage and the first orphan you get, you kill it. Talk about storms of life. And I'll never forget, we're all hot and sweaty because we've been working all day and doing all this stuff. And, and we're down on our knees praying. And I don't know if you've ever been close to death in a third world country. It doesn't operate like it does here in the U.S. You know, somebody in the U.S., somebody dies, they're quickly taken out of your presence and kind of out of your sight. And they're, they're off somewhere and you, you don't see them. But in a third world country, that baby laid on the bed there turned all kind of colors, got stiff, the whole thing. I mean, if we would wanted to stay there for three days, they'd have left it there for three days. I mean, we're right smack in the middle of death. And we are on our knees calling from heaven, calling on heaven, saying, God, you're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And that baby is in a grave today. So church, I... I say that to say this, I, I don't want to speak condemnation on anybody. If you've prayed and not, or if you've had a loved one, we've had some of, there's, there's some widows in the room this morning that have lost their spouse while praying for healing. I'm not here to condemn you. But so I have what I believe and then I have what I've experienced I got these two things in my hand and I'm going, God, what do I do with these things? I got what I believe and I got what I've experienced. How do I navigate this? And you know, there's been portions, times in my life where I just said, I, I just, I don't understand. So I'm going to back away from it. I'll just leave it sitting on the table and I'll just move away from it and ignore it. But I, um, something we do here at Victory is I, I teach a discipleship class um, and I'll tell you more about that later. But the first time I was teaching this class, of course, we were, we, we were looking in the word and I was kind of discipling people, walking them through in the word. I mean, just really, really word-based. I mean, we're just looking at the word the whole time. And as I'm reading it, I'm reading about the healing nature of my father. And as I'm seeing it, my faith is just being built, going like, God's, God's a healer. And I look at the, as I'm reading, as I'm in the word, I'm having, my faith is being built that I have a father who loves me. And I have a father who cares about me. And I begin to know his nature and I, my faith begins to be built in who he is. You hear what I'm saying to you, church? Like who he is begins to be built in me. And I'm like, oh. And then we continue reading. And then we get to the part where, where we look at what he sent his son to accomplish. And while I'm in the word, I'm seeing that Jesus himself took stripes on his back. And then came out saying, by these stripes, you are healed. And as I'm in the word, my faith is being built. Guess what? My experiences are in one hand. My, what I believe is in the other. 
Before I started this, my experiences outweighed my faith. But as I'm in the word, guess what's happening? This thing's, this thing's changing. And so I'm saying to you, church, if you want, if there are things, there are promises that God has for you. There are things that are bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus that we are currently not walking in. And I'm not condemning you for it because I'm not there yet either. But I'm saying this is the year where we develop a culture of faith, a foundation of faith, knowing who God is, what he has said, what he has done, what he has provided, and a determination, the digging and the putting that in my foundation where I don't care what the world says. I don't care what's shaken around me, putting faith in the foundation. And if I get the foundation of faith right, matched with my expectancy based on the word of God, I believe we have something that can withstand any storm that life would throw at us. Are you with me? I could keep talking, but I better not stand up with me.